Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Curva Mundial. I am your host, Sal Bono, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with someone who is helping bring a little bit of Southern Italy to Northern England. He is the founder of Trick Inc. and a Napoli and Accrington Stanley supporter. Please welcome to the show, Ian Trickett. Hi, Ian. Hi, uh, thank you very much. That, that introduction makes me sound much more grand than I actually am, but um, thank you very much for it. Nonetheless, it's a, it's a real pleasure to be here. And uh, any any time I can chat to anybody about something I'm that passionate about, I'm, I'm always willing to have a, have a, have a chin wag. Love it, love it. You know, as stated in the intro, you're bringing retro and traditional Southern Italian household items to your store, which is also, you you can get these things around the globe. What led to this and how does that come about? Um, I have had a keen interest in sports since I've been uh, very young. I know, I know a lot of people get... Um, captured by sport at a very young age but for me it was it was it wasn't just like the uh, the scores and the plays and things it was the whole culture that was that was with it and the uniforms that were worn and the jerseys and the fan culture and everything that sort of goes along with that uh, if you throw into the mix as well the fact that I'm always a fan of an underdog and as when I was growing up Napoli were on coming towards the end of them being in heady Maradona days and things that's when it was sort of ending uh, and people were telling me that oh they were once a great team so that that things like that always interest me the underdogs and the people that shouldn't win things always interest me and then again throwing another thing that here in the UK there was a, a fantastic television program called Football Italia um, and on that uh, program uh, a fantastic chap called James Richardson who is uh, a huge influence on my life would uh, talk about um, the teams they would talk about the players he would talk about the culture and the local dishes all, all kinds of things whilst reading Gazzetta dello sport uh, you know the famous pink newspaper yep. um talking about how things were you know political events were influencing matches and all the kinds of different things so it was it was in the 1990s certainly the early 90s here in the in the UK looking at football as it was it was not quite as glamorous as it was in in Italy certainly in the the late 70s throughout the 80s and the 90s on into like the mid 2000s Italy was the place for football so um I you know I looked up to these teams like uh Internazionale uh AC Milan uh, you know, all, all the nor famous Northern teams. And I was sort of stuck with this awful, in my opinion, team that Napoli that were sort of dwindling in the lower leagues and facing bankruptcy and all kinds of horrendous things like that. So, um, yeah, it, um, I don't know. It, that that was important to me, sort of following a team that wasn't so great. But then um, I, by chance, really, uh, met uh, who is a really good friend of mine, a chap called Joe, who lives out in in Napoli now. And um, since that point, um, basically, I've always wanted somebody that when you say to him, could you find me this from Napoli? Um, most of the people that I knew would be like, why would you be interested in that? I have no idea why you would want me to look at that. I would send out Joe and say, oh, could you go and find me some Cornicello? And then he would be like, yeah, yeah, I can find you some Cornicelli. Or 
uh, anything that I could find in Napoli that I'd always wanted to buy just for myself more than anything else. I sort of asked him if he could find it for me and Joe sort of went, <laughs> went out and found it. And that's, he's the supplier of some of the amazing images that you see on my Instagram, whether that's of local life or uh, local produce or food or Vesuvio in the background, what, whatever. He, he's the guy that sort of helps me out and fulfills the, fulfills the dream. So yeah, um, Napoli, it's, um, I won't, you know, waffle on about this because I'm sure you you want to ask me a couple of other questions. But uh, Napoli is unlike anywhere else on earth that, that I've ever been to. You know, if you if you sat there and you can see a volcano that could explode within reason at any moment um, and and <laughs> wipe everybody out, you sort of live your life slightly differently. Like uh, every day is your last one. So uh, the people are always overly generous and have always treated me. Um, impeccably i don't really understand where this whole sort of violence and stuff comes from i think it's just a an exaggeration of television programs and stuff but the people have always treated me well it's a place that invented pizza and pastas some of the best in the world uh the clothing some of the best in the world the way that we wear suits is influenced by the way that napoli sorry neapolitans cut their suits um you know, there's well, and that's before we get to Diego Maradona football. It is, it's somewhere that um, has my heart and always will do. So, um, yeah, sorry for the waffling answer, but it's no, uh, I love it. That that's what this is all for. That's that it, it's all about the waffling. It's all about um, trying to find what makes people tick here. You know, and especially I find it interesting because you know you're someone that's from a country with just an a bevy of teams to support and yet here you are this massive fan from another country that's it yes it's in europe and yes you know italy as you said was you know the the gold standard for a few decades but you know the idea that you know generally what you find is is it's people that are italians or people that are spanish that'll love the spanish teams or the you know italian teams german teams so on and so forth and then there's a little bit of small percentage outside of that culture their respective cultures where there are fans you are so all in with napoli (laughs) that i think the only you know it's like they could name the stadium after maradona of course and we're gonna touch on him in a minute but it's like i feel like tricket needs its own little stand you know like when you go to uh bridge there are certain sections like the grant certain stands you know this is you know this is this person and that person that's because you're so invested and you love it so much and you showcase that retro flair of the team and that specific era where Maradona had played in many of your items. My Maradona face mask, which I purchased from your store at the height of the pandemic, whenever I wear it on the streets of New York, I, the smiles I get, the, the immense joy that it elicits to other strangers, you know, no one has like, because it's New York, no one's going to stop and talk to you and be like, where'd you get that? Because that's just what we do here in New York. We, we smile and don't give a shit at the same time. But it is, I, you can see that, oh, people are responding to it. And it's got, if I'm getting that response as someone wearing it, how much fun is it making all of this? Well, the, the, I suppose the, the first thing to to really mention is uh, some of your listeners may or may not be aware, but obviously Diego Armando Maradona isn't exactly revered in England, in particular in Scotland. It's a slightly different, it's a slightly different case, but in uh, in England, um, he's not exactly uh, held in high esteem after the obviously the uh, the hand of God goal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think for me, 
um, he's the greatest player of all time. And and people can argue whether it's Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi or Pele or Marco Van Basten or you know, there's hundreds of people would would argue in in loads of different ways. But I think what Maradona did can't ever be replicated purely because he was one bloke that single-handedly resurrected a southern Italian football team uh, and and lived up to the hype and some and then went on and took a really sorry ass um <laughs> Argentina team and took them to to the to win in the World Cup which you know they, they would never have deserved to do so if you put those things within context of like what Argentina was going through at the time and all kinds of other things. He, Maradona's has to be the greatest player of all time. So if you throw in that with the fact that um, he's such an iconic looking guy, you know, he's not he's not big, he's not tall, but he's just this, he's such an earthy character that um, would battle for every ball and do anything he could to win for his team. And I sort of, we, we, you have to admire that. I think that's, uh, that's something that most people can't appreciate about him because by winning at all costs means that, yeah, you have to cheat or you have to do things that aren't necessarily within the parameters of, of good sports or whatever and I think that's what makes him so intoxicating and then obviously the 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 side of his character which was addictive and all the sort of mischief he got into um it sort of makes for the perfect ideal well not ideal that's completely the wrong word but the sort of interesting kind of guy that he was but to go back to your question <laughs> it's 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 really really fun making stuff that you like every single day like I get to do. I I am thankful for it absolutely every single day. Um, I am a natural collector and a lot of the time I, you know, I collect all kinds of things from Star Wars figures all the way through to um, little American football. Well, sorry, I can say football here, kind of uh, <laughs> football, um, football bobbleheads that, you know, ranging from like Warren Sapp all the way through to, I have like a Joel Namath one and I have all this stuff, but I I just like things and I like things that tell a story or um, evoke a memory from a, a period of time. And um, finding that stuff before eBay and the internet and stuff was really, really difficult to find. You actually had to go out there and get it. Imagine that, going to Stadia and other things, trying to actually purchase things in the flesh. Imagine that. But yeah, so what I wanted to do with, with, with Trickit is to try and uh, recreate that that sort of idea that you can purchase a piece of history. Yeah, you might not have been there. Some people weren't even born when Maradona was playing. Um, but it, if you can sort of hold on to some form of authenticity from that period or you're using illustrators from Napoli who were alive at that point, or you're using factories or, you know, you can tell a story from somebody who was there and, and what it feels like that, that that's so much more important than maybe making a retro shirt or something like that. I just think the authenticity to me is the thing that always matters. Like here in the, in the UK, back in the day, you could get your favorite player on the back of your uh, on the back of your jersey, but um, unlike in the states, so if you wanted a, I don't know, let's go with uh, 
a Jerry Rice jersey. Mm. When you buy a Jerry Rice jersey, you know that that's going to be the proper numbers. It's going to be the proper typeset. And yeah, it might be the screen printed numbers or whatever when you want the tackle twirl one, but your mum won't pay the money for it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If um, you get the Jerry Rice jersey, you know that it's correct and you bought it from, you know, Foot Locker, Champs, whatever, and it, it'll be proper. Whereas back in the day, we had stores that would sell the official jerseys, but then would put the unofficial numbers on the back. And that would like literally make my heart break because that isn't what the player wore. So the the pursuit, right. the pursuit of authenticity is something that that um is is at the core of what I do at Tricket. So everything that I do has to be right and it has to be done correctly. Like there's so many products that have done in the past that once they've arrived i've had to shelve because they haven't quite hit the mark where i wanted them to hit wow so yeah yeah i you know there's there's even one sat behind me right now that we've teased and it was a really great product well i thought it was and we've tested it and done a few things and yeah that'll never see the light of day now i'm not going to tell you what that is but that, that that will that will never see the light of day because it's not right and it's not authentic to what we as a brand want to do and the people that have come before us um have done so um yeah it's um sometimes it's detrimental but ultimately it's my name above the door um even if that's an electronic door but it's my name above the door so it needs to be right so that's um yeah it's really good fun to, to yeah. answer your question no, that, that's a great <laughs> philosophy to have you know because the thing about it is i look i as a i i was that kid getting the great bootleg if you will because we just couldn't yeah. afford the, the the actual authentic one i remember even going to sicily to visit family weeks after winning the like i like i won it like weeks after italy won the 2006 world cup um yeah. and just going into like the marketos and the stores and palermo and just right outside you know in the little villages and buying just like a bunch of like buffon or tony or thought yeah. because they were like what like 10 15 euro but yeah. yeah they're right the numbers were wrong the color was a little off it was just a little but it was okay this is because again it was like oh man they're just so expensive but as you get older it's like you appreciate the authenticity and again it's sort of like parallels in a weird way like the juxtaposition of fandom when it comes to someone like Maradona because as you said he's so intoxicating I look at Maradona as the most human that has ever lived because he wore his heart on one sleeve and all his flaws on the other and yeah. he was sort of like the best piece of clothing you could ever have and also the best bootleg at the same time if yeah. that makes any yeah. sense yeah well of, of course it does he he when he was at his peak really football shirt manu football shirt manufacturing and distribution hadn't really was nowhere near what it was now like most people wouldn't go to stadiums wearing the jersey a because they didn't really make them for fans and b they were so prohibitively expensive for a lot of people so really that period certainly when when they won their first scudetto um was the period that things started to change a little bit um, that they started recreating these jerseys because they'd actually won something for a change in in, in that shirt. So it's so a sort of mid eighties, certainly late eighties into the nineties when football shirts started being created on a, a, on a mass scale. But equally in Napoli, even and obviously it's, it's still the case now with uh, with the way that jersey prices are. Um, 
people can't afford expensive things like you know even now the current napoli jerseys 125 euros like that's right. absolutely preposterous for a for a for a, a city that's one of the poorest in europe you know they should be ashamed of themselves like back in the day not even back in the day last season capo were making the authentic jersey which i think was like 90 euros i think and that but then they had um a, a stripped out down version um and that was like 35 euros it looked and felt a bit like the jersey but you felt like you were wearing what your heroes were wearing whereas now there's a 125 euro jersey and that's it but um what maradona did is because you wanted to be part of that you would buy um a scarf from a a, a seller that was selling them with maradona written on them or you'd buy um, a t-shirt with his face on or you buy something that just even resembled what the players were wearing because you felt like you were part of it and you were part of the city and there weren't as many restrictions on bootleggers and people selling all kinds of things with his face on and that makes for some really exciting historical stuff that I draw on all the time because um, it's a never-ending quest because there might be a guy that that sold 20 of a t-shirt to celebrate Maradona signing. Like one of my favorite t-shirts that, that we created was um, that somebody, some industrious person in, in Napoli um, made a screen print of um, Maradona's head when he'd first signed for Barcelona, scrubbed out the, the blue and the um, red of Barcelona and then put some blue in it and then reprinted these t-shirts hoping that people wouldn't notice it and they were one of the biggest selling items in in napoli just before he signed so that is something that i will i am always looking for that the knockoff stuff in napoli especially and, and it's unlike anywhere that i've ever been for for that is that the knockoff stuff is usually more interesting and design-led than the actual authentic stuff. It's so, so funny even... you say that. It's so true. It is. That is so true. It's almost as if like where they lack in some detail to authenticity, they make up for it in creativity in other areas. Yeah, well, I, well Joe, who, I, who I've mentioned previously, sends me images of all kinds of things that he's seen in in on markets or you know local sellers or whatever are selling. Like he sent me a picture once of this amazing T-shirt. Like it was a bit. I think the best way to describe it is. Um, busy but it was maradona he had uh, angel wings on he was wearing his napoli shirt and then like had him playing for argentina on one side and then him playing uh in his away jersey for napoli on the other side and like maradona but it was absolutely beautiful in its own way like i said it's not necessarily to my taste but this the effort that somebody had put into this to sell a, a t-shirt for nine euros or whatever it was i just i just find that absolutely amazing that people will go to the these efforts and it'll never be recognized because people have been conditioned to only buy authentic merchandise so yeah that, like, like you were mentioning earlier about uh, when you went to palermo to to look at the the world cup jerseys and things i i find the stuff that isn't necessarily too authentic sorry that isn't official i always find that sort of quite interesting and always interesting from a point of view with wow i would never really would have thought of that 
authenticity to me isn't the 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 jock tag on the bottom of the jersey saying this is number 1204 of however many jerseys that we've made or like having some hologram in the back of the neck on the swing tag that's not authenticity the the guy that's designed that t-shirt in napoli is more authentic a lot of the time than the official merchandise in the store it's the, it's about the intent really and and why it's been made and how it's been made that's the that's the authenticity that i'm always sort of craving awesome you know seeing napoli doing so well as they are now and have been in recent years on the come up under the De Laurentiis ownership you know they could potentially overtake my ac milan this season and win the scudetto how does that make you feel this season and over the last few years seeing them rise the way they have and potentially lifting some hardware this year um it's a bit strange but um i've inherited a lot of neapolitan superstitions now so until it's done i'm not going to talk about it Fair so, enough. I know. <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's 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 been really nice to watch them sort of flourish because I, I have I've liked them for a long time and sort of this most recent period of time where they've been beating Liverpool and, um, you know, playing well and playing interesting football and and doing it not necessarily on a budget, but doing it in a in a, in a non-modern football way. They're sort of picking up good players, developing them and then, you know, selling them and, you know, getting somebody else. And that's the that's the authentic way to do it. And I think that's really the only way that Napoli can do it. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. It's, it feels a bit surreal to talk about them in a, in a genuine challenging way. Even that season where they came second to Juve uh, after they beat them um, right. in Turin. Like, even then, I didn't think they were going to win it. And I know that I know that seems really um, sort of pessimistic, but really, until until the until the Scudetto's back in Napoli, and it's like on a parade, and I'm there, sort of screaming with my shirt off in Napoli city centre, I I won't believe it. So um, yeah, there's a long way to go, and without again, without sounding like some college football coach, um, there's a long way to go yet, and we'll just play it, take each game as it comes, and then that's it. <laughs> you got it, Ted Lasso. There, um, you know, I'm, not gonna, I'm not putting no malakia on any team. You know, no malakia here. You know, get your uh, get your uh, superstitions out of the way now. Um, you know, another team you support is your local club, which is Accrington Stanley. Tell us about them. Um, they are a founder member of the Football League. Um, so we are really lucky where I'm from in Accrington uh, it's a little dot on the map in East Lancashire which again is a sort of nothing place really uh, if you sort of look at it historically we um, we have a lot of football teams in a, a very small area um, Accrington and this part especially East Lancashire Lancashire as a whole is famous for uh, the industrial revolution so the world that we know now is partly due to the fact of the machinery that was made in Accrington the cotton that was spun in uh, in and around Lancashire and the globalization of that so whether that's a good thing or a bad thing um, I'll let you be the judge of that but <laughs> Accrington is unlike is, is sorry is like a lot of other places in the north of England it's a bit anonymous it once had um, an embarrassment of riches both economically intellectually uh, and lots of other things but as with many places uh, especially in East Lancashire that isn't necessarily the case anymore. Uh, Accrington, Stanley, 
as I've said, we're a founder member of the Football League, along with uh, Burnley and Acre- sorry, um, uh, Blackburn Rovers. They are there isn't really a rivalry between Accrington and uh, Burnley or uh, uh, or <laughs> Burnley or Blackburn. Um, they because Accrington Stanley in more sort of recent history have been pretty terrible uh, as it as it goes. Um, they they always used to be the famous thing that if Blackburn and Burnley ever played each uh, each other at football, they come to Accrington to fight because there'd be less police there. So that's that's what wow. sort of what. What Accrington used to be famous for, but now um, after almost, well, I think we it did become bankrupt and was resurrected in the 60s uh, and sort of knocked around in regional leagues for oh, maybe 50 years. And then more recently, with a few different changes of ownership, uh, Accrington are now in um, League One, which for... Um, Old football fans is the uh, third division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, so. That's 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 where they are now. So for somebody like me who used to get in for free at halftime with my friends, or you know, I think when I was a kid uh, going with my granddad, I think it was maybe like two pounds for adults and free to get in if you were a kid. To now being where we are, that the that they're playing teams that were once in the Premier League and are now beating them and competing at the, the probably the highest level that I will ever see Accrington Stanley play after having uh, multiple successes is a bit mind-boggling. Don't get me wrong, seeing Napoli succeed is amazing. But if you sort of see the trajectory of Accrington Stanley from basically playing above the level that I would play in if I was in an in a amateur Sunday league uh, to being in League One, there aren't really many better feel-good uh stories really so yeah it's um it's Accrington's a strange place I'm very proud to be from here uh people work hard um they are good people they are what you know whether you whether your people are aware of it or not but they are Accrington's a very typically northern town in that there isn't much money here but if you ask somebody to lend you some money they probably would do after asking you what it was for so Wow. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, it's, I'm very lucky to be from here. It's influenced, um, it's influenced my politics. It's influenced my way of life, the way that I look at the world, and many, many, many other things. I'm very lucky. I've, I've got to go and do a lot of traveling, both to the, uh, you know, to the states and all over the world. And uh, I always come back because there's always something that brings me back. You know what's interesting is, is that if you erase Mount Vesuvius for a hot second. Accrington sounds very similar to Napoli, and the people well, are very similar to Napoli. You know what? I, I did a book called um, Questing Napoli, and that's about um, – it's a photographic book to celebrate a T-shirt that I did uh, last year. And uh, that's in the introduction. That is exactly what I say. You, don't get me wrong. The weather could not be more different, and the food, right, could, right, not right. Be, and the, and the food could not be more different. <laughs> but the, the core of both sets of people, they're, they're kind. They will do anything for anybody within reason. They don't really have – you know, I'm talking very generally. There's not as much money as perhaps there are in their respective capitals, but you sort of feel cared for and looked after. Um, things change, you know, the world changes at, you know, what feels like a, a million miles an hour at the minute. But 
Um, what I think is quite nice is that eternal sort of spirit of caring um, deep down. You know, sometimes it, you have to dig for it, but at the core of being Northern or Southern Italian, Northern English or Southern Italian, I do think there's a, an identity that is strikingly similar. So, yeah, you've, you've raised a good point there. <laughs> I try once in a while. <laughs> um, you know, one thing with this podcast that I love doing is finding out about these smaller provincial sides and how important they are to the local communities. Accrington, as you said, seems to be this very tight-knit community. How does Accrington Stanley hold the town together? Um, well, we live geographically where we are. We are literally in the middle of, of Blackburn and Burnley, which are two very, very successful football teams. Uh, so obviously, Blackburn Rovers winning the, the Premier League as they did. And I, I come from a family of Burnley supporters, so um, I'll have to be, you might have to mute bits like that when I mentioned that in uh, in real life. Uh, but um, these teams have, have been successful for a long time. Uh, so there are a lot of people from Accrington who, who are either Accrington, sorry, who are either Blackburn fans or Burnley fans. But with the disillusionment of, of, Premier League teams and the money involved. Um, Andy Holt, who currently is the chairman of the team, has done a really fantastic job of saying, come back, see what we're doing here and, and help the local community and, and see what we can do. Um, and he's done a fantastic job of that. And, and he's also managed to turn the team into something special on the pitch as well as off the pitch because um, they give away free jerseys uh, once a year to, to kids in... Um, uh, primary school so um that helps to encourage kids to to wear the jersey and sort of think wow yeah this is a club that cares about me and cares about um giving me a shirt and because you know some of the kids in in Accrington might never get to wear a football shirt like that's that's the sort of reality of the way that we are that a football shirt for a lot of families and kids is is you know way out of their price range you know spending 45 50 60 70 pounds on a, on a football jersey it might never happen for them but the fact that Accrington Stanley give them one for absolutely free just for them to wear because they're they're in primary school of a certain age I think is an absolutely fantastic incentive and I think um, they do a good job of engaging the uh, local businesses sort of saying that you know every pound that you spend sponsoring uh, an advertising board or whatever it is actually makes a difference to the community to the club uh, and, and you know one, once it's affecting local kids and, and what they can get whether that's free jersey or going to watch them play or having local um soccer camps as we call them i don't know why we've never called them football camps it's pretty <laughs> strange uh but yeah it's i think it's really great i think um more so than ever i think people recognize it as a as a football club and a blueprint almost for how football teams should be run i don't think there's any ambitions for them to be uh champions league winners i think they're just happy doing things the right way for the community and i think that's again something that um accrington being the way that it is it's not looking for itself to be the next big thing and it's not looking to be in the champions league or the premier league um it just wants to just do things the right way for the community and i think um a lot of football teams well many football teams across the world could perhaps look at that as a blueprint that success is great but helping the local community is more important because that is a, a, a more important because if you look after the fans you know they're going to keep coming back and ultimately they have the history to back it up 
with as well. Being a, I know I've told, said it a few times, but being a founder member of the Football League, again, using that as a blueprint for how leagues were founded across the world and how football should be played and this schedule and all that sort of stuff. Um, that is something that we should be immensely proud of, the fact that we help to shape that. I think that is something that is, is really important and should be celebrated more. In fact, we don't really talk about that much, really, but it really should be celebrated much more because without you know, teams like Accrington Stanley, there wouldn't be hundreds and hundreds of uh, teams across the UK that thought, oh, Accrington's only a small little place. Let's uh, let's see if we can do it. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's important to the community in that it gives you a bit of hope that, you know, things can get better. For sure. And, you know, it's, it's kind of mind boggling that, you know, the fact that you have a team now doing things as you keep calling it the right way is kind of it's, it's, it's mind blowing to me because we all we see now and all we hear about is money, 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 and it's ruining the game and it's ruining the sport. And there's a million thing pieces about that and all of them very true but once in a while you find a diamond in the rough and yeah sure Accrington Stanley may not be Chelsea or they may not be Liverpool or Manchester City but they're keeping a town you know at bay and they're keeping them keeping the people there happy and they're doing their part and we often forget now that at the end of the day all these teams started whether you're watching Napoli or whether you're watching Accrington Stanley they all started as a way to showcase the community in the towns and there's still someone at a squad doing that is really, really, really beautiful. And I, and you with your clothing always pay tribute to Accrington. It says proudly made in, in Accrington on all of your original pieces. You know, that's something that's really, really profound because as someone in New York city, I never heard of this place before. But I found you, and yeah. now it's like, oh, this is this is very cool. I kind of like it here, without ever yeah, setting well, foot there, too, which is kind of strange. Yeah, it's, it's it is a bit strange in that um, there's there's been a couple of occasions actually in my life where um, people that are really big fans have um, I've had it a couple of times where uh, someone's husband has asked me to set up like a tour of Accrington for this for this fellow that wanted to come and have a look around. And he was from Belgium and he wanted to come and see it and, you know, uh, experience it. And another chap came from uh, Sweden. His, um, his partner set that up for us, uh, for him, because he, he just wanted to see what Accrington was like. And don't get me wrong, there's not much to see, but I think he just wanted, they just wanted to come and see what it was like. So, yeah, it's I'm, I'm glad that I'm doing my bit. Uh, it's um, like I said, it's a place a lot like Napoli, but it's a place that's given me far more than I could ever, ever return back to it. So if um, if I can do a little bit to to spread the word or help people uh, think a little bit more about it or maybe even think about visiting the north of England a bit more then I've um, I've, <laughs> I've done my bit, to be fair. I'm very lucky that way. Nice. You know, you also help small manufacturers in Italy and Portugal and in England making your items for Trick It Inc. How difficult is it now with Brexit? And did you find out about the and how did you find out about these smaller places to help craft your products? Uh, without sounding uh, evasive, uh, because of the, the the topic 
of Brexit is so incredibly toxic, I will merely say that things are a little bit more difficult, but being an eternal optimist, I am sure things will get better. So that's the, the well, uh, well, (laughs) I'll answer that there. Okay. Uh, But (laughs) as regards, as regards finding things, I am really lucky that I have a really nice circle of people around me that recommend factories or are happy to go out and meet these people or I go and do a lot of the heavy lifting as regards ringing round places like when I started there was probably 30% more factories in the UK making things than there are at this moment in time I was lucky that I found some amazing people who uh, make my socks and in Accrington there's people that make um, kitchen items like um tea towels, aprons, stove toppers, all kinds of things. So I was I was lucky that I already knew these people and could work with them. But uh, in Portugal, um, a friend recommended a, a, a lady called Annabella who does a, a lot of work for me in Portugal. And that ranges all the way through, through from your favourite uh, boxer shorts, yeah. uh, woven shirts, um, jersey t-shirts, all, all, all that kind of stuff. And then in Italy, we have uh, craftsmen making uh, absolutely amazing cornicelli and uh, these manos, which are, help keep the devil away from you, as well as Neapolitan um, tuxedos, which are one of my favorite items that we do, which are like a tracksuit that you would typically have seen on the Sopranos. And, you know, it's, uh, but at the core of everything that we do, it's not about making lots of stuff. It's not about making it as cheaply as possible because if I wanted to make lots of stuff as cheaply as possible, there's some you know amazing factories in 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 the Far East, in, in China, um, and to be fair, in in India, Bangladesh, places like this. I I could I could do that, but that isn't what we want to do. We we want to be able to speak to the people that make the stuff for us. We want to engage with them. We want to know their story, their background. Make sure that their workers are treated fairly and correctly. These are all things that I can do because I I myself can go and visit there or people that I trust can go there and make sure that everything is working so um yeah the finding the factories if don't tell anyone but that's probably my favorite part actually finding the people to make stuff uh, and then making it is is about as exciting as it gets for me as probably as ridiculous as that sounds but um the the, the locating of these people and these makers is is the best part and it's also the most covert part because to be quite frank with you finding makers of any description is really difficult and it's like this secret underworld where somebody recommends this person to you then this person recommends somebody to you like i make some things in los angeles i make some things in in upstate new york and um to find those people i couldn't even tell you the amount of hoops that i would have had to have jumped through in in order to to find where these factories are made and things so sorry where these places are that make things so it is um yeah it's it's an interesting an interesting uh what's the best endeavor that's the best way probably to describe it so yeah it's uh finding the factories is really good because you get to meet all kinds of different people that are specialists in certain things and then you know they can then recommend this random factory that don't even have a telephone number listed on google or anything and you ring up this guy and you're like oh can you do this oh did sharon send you yeah yeah oh brilliant well you must be a good person because sharon doesn't recommend anyone and so you know it just carries on and sort of spirals out of control from there whereas you know i always thought that i'd maybe have like three supplies of stuff whereas now it's about phew, 60 so wow. <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's all a bit crazy and like you know i have a i have a, the attention span of a flea 
So um, he, I, I, I'm making whiskey now. I'm pajamas and I don't know basketballs. I think we're making fairly soon as well. So it, um, yeah, it, it never stops. <laughs> That's the way it should be. And you know, what's funny is that you're doing this with all of these manufacturers around the globe. That you know that at the end of the day, you can lay your head on your pillow knowing that everyone's getting their fair share and everyone's being treated all right. Um, yeah. at least the best to your knowledge and you know you're also doing other things that are really ins- amazing too is that the upcycling and recycling of textiles which is what Annabella does in Portugal my favorite item your boxer shorts and um, also you know you did a sock donation program which I thought was really spectacular last year in the pandemic when you had a few things up for sale um, I think I made like, I think I made like one or two orders from you but anytime I made the order there was a a chance to donate socks to somebody that was in need of socks and something yeah, like that. Like I felt really good doing it. And I was really happy that there was a great company that was paying it forward to help some, just even the smallest thing is socks. Yeah. It's um, the, the idea probably came maybe five or six years ago. Um, we had some spare socks that were, you know, we have like odds and ends of various different things. And um, there's a, a local charity um, who house homeless people and get them into work, um, you know, various different amazing things that they do. And I took these socks to him and I was like, I'm not sure if you use these, but, um, you know, here's some socks that you might be able to use. And they were bold over. They said that socks and underwear are some of the hardest things for people to donate and would they never get hold of. So, um you know, in the background, I'm always one for doing charitable things, but not necessarily screaming about it. Although it sounds like I'm screaming about it now, but I'm not. Uh, we give away um, half of the boxes that people buy. We give away half again to to amazing charities that, you know, if we can help keep people clothed and confident, um, then we've sort of helped a little bit to to gaining what, a little bit of respect back or, you know, building yourself up again. And I think that's if we can do that through clothes and underwear or whatever, I think um, I think we're doing a very small part. And if that helps, then that's that's a good thing. That drop in the bucket always ends up overflowing, hopefully. So, you know, little drops here and there. Really wonderful thing. Now time for a coffee break. Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from modcup.com. Mod Cup. Drink modern coffee. Use code MUNDIAL for 10% off your first order. I'm asking you, I'm going to ask you three questions. I ask everybody the same three questions. Uh, this is my Desert Island Disc segment, if you will. And um, rapid fire questions, you can answer them for either Napoli or Accrington Stanley, whichever you prefer. Just let me know. Um, and I'm going to go question number one right now. If you okay. could bring. If you could bring back one retired player to your club, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Uh, well, I think this is, luckily I, I will answer this one for Napoli and I will say that uh, prime Diego Armando Maradona um, is the greatest player of all time. So any team that has him in them, uh, in their team would uh, instantly become world champions. As much as I'd like to try and find some link of Maradona to Accrington Stanley, because I think that would be a fantastic story. Um, yeah, let's go with Diego Armando Maradona uh, in his prime 1986 phase uh, and bring him back to play and slot in this Napoli team. Uh, even though I might have to get rid of my favourite player, uh, Lorenzo Insigne. But, oh. um, I, 
it's a sacrifice. Wow, what a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice I'm willing to make for the good of uh, good of the sons of Vesuvius, to be fair. So <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Plus, we get to hear Ovisto Maradona, you know, chanting in in the Sao Paulo for you know Sao Paulo for the for after so many years away. Um, second question here is if your club could sign one player today, who would it be and why? That's a good question. Who would they sign? See, the thing is, I I'm abreast of, of, of uh, modern football and stuff, but my engagement level in it all is a bit sort of skew-whiff, if I'm being honest. It's sort of, I'm not as interested in world football as I was. But I think from a purely goal-scoring machine point of view and somebody who looks like they are set to change the world of football very soon, it'd probably have to be Erling Haaland because I think Borussia Dortmund have done a fantastic job of developing him into a, a world-class striker that is probably about to change the world. So uh, I'd go for him, either, but I would hope that he wouldn't bring his... Uh, seeing as this is my imaginary world, I would hope that he wouldn't bring his uh, agent with him and he'd take my dad as his agent instead because my dad would make sure that he didn't, um, he didn't step out of line too much. So Lee, his agent is who? Mino Real, right? It is, yes, it is. So leave Mino at home. All right, I, th- I think... What's funny about Mino, just as a quick aside, is that I believe he is the most hated man in all of from every fan across all of world football. Yet, yet, is the agent to every fan's favorite player. It's yeah, an unbelievable thing. Yeah, I think um, I'm a firm believer in that. The I, I've no problem with the players. And to a degree, I've not really much problem with the agents per se, because they are getting the most money for their clients. But I think the money involved for everybody, both the club, player, agent, whatever, is that obscene and that detached from the working man's game as like, not even how I knew it, certainly how my my, my dad and my granddad knew it. Um, it just makes me feel a bit ill, if I'm being yeah, yeah. No, I get it. So, um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll always love football. I'll always love the culture. And I think Erling Haaland is a, is a fantastic player that, like I said, is, is set to change the way that we perceive what a striker should be capable of doing. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not – I think uh, agents sometimes spoil that enjoyment. For me, that's just a personal gripe more than anything else. I can't say I disagree. Uh, so if that, at least there's two of us there. Um, so Erling Holland at, I assume, Napoli then. Let's go with that, yeah. Cracky, I've, I've created quite a strike for us, haven't I? I might need to pull yeah. in a defender or two every so often. Erling Holland and Maradona might be quite interesting to be fair. With, with Victor Osemia there as well, or, you know, Chuck Cardano uh, as a backup. I mean, that is just, that's tasty right there. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, Victor's the man right now as well. Oh, I think I he's him. one of the most informed players in the world as well. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of his. It's, uh, I don't think he'll be playing for Napoli next season, but it's good, good fun to watch him right now. He is certainly a star in the making for sure, and just it's savor every moment you have with him. I'm so extremely jealous that he's not with AC Milan as my team, and I'm so jealous that he's not with us. Yeah. But um, now, final question is what has been your favorite moment as a fan? Um, I'm always a big fan of the almost, if I'm if I'm being quite frank with you. I like, I like the idea of, oh, what would have happened if X would have happened or what would have, Y would have happened. But I was there when 
Khaledou uh, Koulibaly headed that goal um, and I was in Italy at that at that moment. And wow. when that happened, um, the, the, the joy of that happening uh, was unlike anything I've ever experienced before. Like that ball hitting his head and then clattering into the back of the net and Buffon was absolutely nowhere near it. And just seeing the, the look of horror in what seemed like the entire north of Italy's eyes, it was just... Yeah, it was it was it was just something to behold. Yeah, it would have been really good if they would have followed that up and actually won the league. That would have been great. But as a, following them as I have done for for a little while now, that experience of, of hearing hearing that goal go in that was um, that was yeah that was something else. So I'll sort of tra- hopefully when uh, when when I leave this mortal coil, that will be one of the memories that flashes past my eyes. To be fair, so yeah, love it. it was, wow, wow, and to be wow, that's incredible. Ian, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for taking time out and chatting with me about everything that you're doing and your passion for the game. And I hope that our listeners enjoyed it as much as I did. Well, honestly, it's it's an absolute pleasure. And uh, sorry for waffling. And hopefully you can understand my weird accent. It's uh, very kind of you to have me on the show. I love the weird accent and I love the waffling. So this all works out perfectly fine. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.